0: Our reading this morning is taken from uh, St. Luke's Gospel, Chapter 1, and if you'd like to follow in your church Bibles, you'll find it on page 1025, page 1025, and we're reading from Luke, Chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her six, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, uh, Roger. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Please do keep that open in, in front of you. Let's uh, pray as we begin. God, our Father, thank you so much for your word. Um, please, we pray, speak to us through it. Um, may your spirit be at work amongst us, that we may see you more clearly and know you more deeply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a a very famous, uh, part, uh, of the Christmas story, this reading. And, um, I think the challenge, uh, for many of us is to really hear it, uh, to hear the life-shattering truth, uh, through the kind of haze of familiarity, of festive familiarity. I uh, uh, have a friend who uh, lives in a in a little town in Northumberland called um, Morpeth. You might have heard of it, and um, his house um, backs on to the mainline train from uh, London to Edinburgh. It's, it's only about sort of fifteen meters his his house from the the the, the line, and uh, I went to see him and I, and I stayed with him uh, the night and um, I, I was uh, lying in, in bed uh, when suddenly there was this boom and this whoosh <laughs> and i i, sh- I sh- shot out of bed in alarm thinking, what was that uh, and of course it, as i was coming around i realized it was the it was the train and the next morning i said to him uh, Yo, did you know how did you sleep through how do you sleep through this And, of course, he said to Eddie, I've lived here for 40 years. I've lived here all my life. Um, It's just something I hardly ever notice it anymore. Uh, You see, the familiarity um, can uh, keep us from really hearing the enormity of things. And that's no less true than when we come to a scripture um, like this. Perhaps you're sleeping through it, sleeping through the kind of booms and the whooshes and the bangs of the incredible story and the credible words that are being um, said here. The first uh, kind of uh, boom, if you like, is the way that uh, it shatters our, our thinking. In the reading, we get loads uh, of uh, shocks. We're, we're confronted, first of all, uh, by a, a, an angel, a, a heavenly being. Uh, as if that's not uh, shocking enough, it's, uh, then we are confronted by the angel's message. Listen to verse 33 again. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great And will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, if we're really hearing this, this is a lot to take in, isn't it? It's a lot to take in. I mean, it's a lot for us in 21st century London to believe, isn't it? I'm sure many here. Uh, perhaps struggle to think this actually happened i mean let alone believe that we should shape our whole lives around it there's a kind of an intellectual barrier for us Uh, angels speaking messengers from god god becoming a human forever and ruling Uh, and perhaps you're here and you're like that you're skeptical you've come to saint john's Maybe over this Christmas period, you know, you like seeing carols and feeling a a bit Christmassy. And you see Jesus as a kind of good moral teacher. He's got some good things to say. Um, But I like that kind of Jesus. But I'm not sure really um, about all this God becoming human thing and angels. That sounds all a bit sort of like uh, it was just kind of made up back then, you know, when people believed in fairy tales. You know, in those sort of more uneducated um, uh, periods uh, uh, where people were less enlightened. Well, can I, respectfully as possible, say to that 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 really is as chronological snobbery. Have you ever heard of that? Chronological snobbery is a snobbery of time. You know, Mary knew that these things weren't normal. Everyday uh, events. I mean, verse 29 tells us that she was greatly troubled. Do you see that there? And, and of course, the angel, knowing that, quickly wants to reassure her do not be afraid. She knew how babies uh, were made. She's not naive. Yes, she's young, but she's not naive. She's not stupid. As she inquires of the Lord, of, of the angel, verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? Yes, in some ways she is incredulous. She's alarmed by the whole idea of God becoming a human. And it kind of ran against everything, um, everything that she knew uh, uh, in that culture, the norms of her day. If you were from a kind of Greek or a Roman background, um, the idea of God becoming a human was a kind of ludicrous idea. That they thought of the world uh, as kind of a a polluted place, a kind of evil place that was kind of dirty. The divine becoming flesh, well, that just would have sounded absolute madness. And of course, for the Jews, like Mary, even more so. God was completely other to, to the world. To His created domain, the world. He was high and holy and separate from uh, the simple people. It would have just sounded strange. You see what I'm getting at here? There's, There's never been a point in history, there's never been a culture where these things have been easy to believe. People, including Mary, have always asked, how can this be? Just as you may be sitting there asking, how can this be? And so what we really need to do is ask, why? Why did she believe and trust the message? Why, why did Mary believe? Why did Joseph believe? I mean, Joseph, you know, hearing of it, his betrothed being pregnant, he wasn't naive either. And yet he trusts the angel when the angel appears to him and, and he follows and Thousands of people have followed Jesus believing who are, like you and like me, often naturally sceptical that God would become a human. What was the boom, the whoosh, as it were, through their, that sort of went right through their intellectual thinking, that shattered their preconceived ideas? Well, Luke wrote this gospel and that is named after him. And he was concerned with exactly the same thing. He knew what people were like. Uh, If you turn back a page with me to to chapter 1, listen to the, the way he put it right at the beginning of his gospel. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent philosophers, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Many people testified that there were eyewitnesses to the way that Jesus was born to the way that Jesus lived, to the way that Jesus rose from the dead, to the way that Jesus has ascended on high. Who who knew, People, ordinary people who knew that women don't get pregnant without sex, who, who knew and know perfectly well that miracles are not normal, that people don't just rise from the dead. So let's not come to Christmas. And say, well, you know, I like the good things about Jesus, the warm feeling it gives, but, but let's believe. Let's not be intellectually lazy by saying that somehow we kind of know better than they did back then. We have to be straight, don't we? we have to ask ourselves what's our explanation for these events? Luke investigated. He knew the enormity of the claims. The enormity of if true, and surely it's got to be worth us taking a look and finding out for ourselves. To do the thinking, it can't be dismissed. There's booms and there's whooshes and there's bangs going off all over the place in the Christmas story. We're singing them. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign forever. This is massive. It's the most important thing the world has ever seen. Do you come to Christmas finding it hard to believe? Well, Mary found it hard. Many people find it hard. Luke found it hard, but he looked. He investigated. He talked to eyewitnesses he found it to be true that we could be confident and certain of it so will you take this seriously this christmas so it changed it challenges it shatters our thinking but also it transforms our hearts verse 31 again you are to call him jesus the word jesus means saves god saves and the way Jesus transforms your heart is by knowing him as your savior. And you see, every other um, religion, every other philosophy teaches that you must do certain things in order to be saved. I must do this and do that and follow the rules and, and you will be saved. That's what they uh, say. But Christianity is, is not like that. Not a jot like that. It's completely different. It's about God himself coming to save you. That's what it's about. He's not coming primarily to give you a message, actually. Oh, well, Yes, he does give a message, but he's not primarily here to give you a message. No, he, he is the message. He is, he is uh, the word to become flesh, as we read in John 1. To show you that you cannot save yourself. You see, Jesus came into the world to live the life we should have lived, but couldn't because of our sin and rebellion. And he came to die the death that we should have died for our sin and rebellion, to pay the penalty for us by dying on the cross in our place. And so all we need to do, if you like, is to admit that we have a need of him. All we need is a need. And Do you have that need this morning? And of course, having that need and admitting that need is actually the hardest thing to do. Turns out it's the hardest thing to do, to admit to ourselves that we can't save ourselves. And the reason we find that so hard is because we have this pride in us. We have to put up our hand and say that I cannot live the life God requires. I am a sinner. I make mistakes. I rebel against him. And even the good things that we try to do, of which we can do good things, the the good things we find that our motors are often really mixed and not as pure as we think. It's also hard because it means that we have to let go of the steering wheel, about being in control. It means saying, I'm no longer in charge of my life because when we accept Jesus as Saviour, we're accepting what he did to save us by dying on the cross in my place. He's shown us this wonderful, unmerited kindness and grace. When you see what it cost him, surely he has the right to be in control of my life, to change me, to transform me, to tell me what to do and how to live. Now, how, how are we going to get this deep into our our hearts? How does this boom and this this whoosh, if you like, transform? How does it play out well firstly and we've touched on this we we need to come with honest questions honest questions and mary does that and she She says how can this be honest questioning is when you actually look for an answer Uh, and so much of our questioning sometimes is shaped because we're not actually really looking for the answers We're often cynical or already doubting that any answer will be good enough or will be given. I mean, we've seen much of that, haven't we, in the last six uh, weeks. You know what I'm referring to (laughs) eh? People asking rhetorical questions, not expecting an answer, not really even listening to an answer. But if you ask honestly, if you are open to the answer, you actually really... Want to know. And then that's when the transformation begins. Mary genuinely wanted to know, how can this be? I want to know. She's not saying, don't be ridiculous. I know better. I've made up my mind already. Can't be possible. Sure, Mary's confused. She's going to be confused, isn't she? Sure, Mary uh, continues to go on being confused and, and wondering. She ponders in her heart, it says, Later on, she's pondering, she's thinking about it. What this all means about angels and saviours and the Holy Spirit. It takes humility though. Do you have that kind of humility? It also takes bravery. What might my friends say? What will others think? The angel reassures her and he reassures us today. Verse 37 He says, for no word from God will ever fail. So go ahead. Come on Life Explored. That's my challenge. Come along to Life Explored. Talk to a friend. Seek, ask, think, ask honest questions. Will you do that? Secondly, um, to get this deep into us, I think we need to submit completely. Submit completely. Verse 31 again. You are to call him Jesus. You are to call him Jesus. This is a. We've kind of missed this. This is one of those bangs that you don't. You're so familiar with it, really, we don't see it, do we? You are to call him Jesus. The angel is telling Mary what her name of her child will be now normally parents get the 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 uh uh, privilege of naming their children don't they they have the right to name their own children they have the authority over them and the right to name them i mean hannah and i have well i say really enjoyed in the sense of uh it takes ages, doesn't it, trying to name a child? But we've enjoyed naming our children. And I used to kind of hate it if um, people would come up to me and give me advice about what to call um, the child. Maybe that's happened to you. And I used to say, what, what's it got to do with you? You know, this is it's my child. Uh, you know, if I want to call him Ludwig, I'm going to call him Ludwig. Thankfully, they're not called Ludwig. Uh, you might be called Ludwig, I've realised this. There might just be somebody here called Ludwig, or it's your middle name. It's a great name. <laughs> but, but God, you see what God's doing? God has taken the naming away from Mary and Joseph. Yeah. You know what that means? That means if you want to have a relationship with the one who's coming, if you want to really know him, you must realize that you're not in charge. Mary had to realize that God's in charge. He, he's the, the, the one who is Lord, the, the manager, the king. You don't get to call the shots. There is a submission to be made. Uh, he has authority to do that. That might sound like a bad thing, but it's not. It's a really good thing. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to be named by God? What a terrific thing. The God who loves you and knows you, knows you better than you know yourself, who knows your identity and who you really are. He knows your hopes, your dreams, your longings, your fears, everything that goes on, and he wants the very best for you. Yes, uh, of course there's a, there's a cost. There was a cost for Mary. She was, she was not married yet. She was young. She was not married. He, even if Joseph uh, marries her quickly, which he does, the community, they'll, they'll do the maths, won't they? What, what could she say to, to the people around her? Oh, I know it looks bad, but there was this boom, and this it was this whoosh, and this angel appeared, and, and the Holy Spirit came down, and, and you know, there's it's a cost, isn't there? People will scoff. And this is inevitably cost Mary in that kind of traditional society. She would have been marginalized and looked down on, but what does she do? She trusts, she submits to the Lord of all. People often um, will say, I'm interested in becoming a Christian, I'm interested in Christian faith, Um, but tell me first, does that mean I have to do this, or I have to give up this, or I I have to stop doing living like this, and I I need to live like that? And I never kind of want to answer those questions because you know what they're really asking. You know, the problem with that kind of questioning is that Jesus, you know, he has to be, doesn't he? That He's either the Lord of all or not the Lord at all for you. You can't be half. Jesus has to be the Lord of all, Lord of a whole life. If you come to Jesus on the the kind of basis of doing some sort of cost-benefit analysis of the situation... You see, you can't keep some areas of your life as sort of sacrosanct, that this bit of my life is my own and, and uh, you know, it can be untouched. No, he comes into your soul already named as the Lord. Look at, at, instead at what it cost him. Perhaps look at it that way. Look at what it cost him to come near to you to give up his heavenly realm in glory it cost him infinity and more than that it cost him his life because he died for you and he died for you on the cross so you can have a relationship with him submit completely to him mary submitted herself completely to god you see that in verse 38 I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. It's the words of trust. Are you ready to submit to the Lord like Mary? In a way, um, in a way we're never ready. Uh, imagine, whether, was Mary really ready? Mary must have had more questions. She didn't know how the thing was going to pan out, did she, at that point? She must have had more concerns of how this is all going to go, what it means to live and follow the Lord in this way. But she made the first step. She made a step of faith. And that's all it takes. It's just a step and saying, Lord, I'm here. I am your servant. I submit to you completely. So are you ready to submit? Have you submitted to the Lord of all? The the Have you heard the booms and the the whooshes that are going off all over the place in Christmas, in our carols, in our readings, everywhere? Or are we kind of like desensitized to it, even kind of sleeping our way through them? You see, one day there will be a final boom, there will be a final whoosh, make no mistake, it is. And time will have run out. It will be too late. And so we do need to be asking ourselves, am I ready to meet the Lord? Have I submitted to the Lord as Saviour, as King? And so be part of his never-ending kingdom. Let's just take a moment to to pause and to pray. Let's just bring our questions to the Lord. Our honest questions. And maybe for the very first time we should admit our need. That we are sinful and we have failed. And let us reach out in faith to the Lord of all and submit our lives to him. God, our Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus Christ into this world to save us, to save me. Father admit that I am a failed and I am a sinner and I've rebelled against you. And I submit to you as Lord and Saviour. Please come into my heart and transform me that I may be yours, that you may name me and be in control of my life. Father thank you for sending Jesus Amen